Hello and welcome to another podcast from The Practical Medium, and I am Michelle, your Practical Medium. Uh, this is a post-Thanksgiving uh, podcast, so hopefully everybody is recovered from turkey comas, has recovered from the effort of going out for materialistic Black Friday shopping. I'm just being partly facetious because I I actually indulged myself to get uh, take advantage of deals on things, and uh, that you... Uh, were able to get what you wanted without having to spend hours in line to get it because that's the worst part about black friday in, in my own in my humble opinion so today um i'm doing or tonight whatever take your pick whenever you're listening i'm doing a, po- a podcast about something that has a, an anniversary and it highlights one of the strangest periods of my life highlights when i was reopening and what was going on and just how there's forces out there working on things that you could never even imagine. And now this story took place over months, but I'm going to talk talk the um, about this little story first because uh, I was watching this guy uh, on YouTube. He's called Hand Tool Rescue, and he puts out these videos of him pulling apart and restoring hand tools and, or machines. And if you never thought, if you ever thought that something like that would sound totally boring, well, think again. This guy makes it really fun, and partly because I've come from that kind of a background of mach- of uh, mechanics, of uh, I'm fascinated by it. And the videos are fun; they're cheeky. But at one point, he's reaching into something, and you could clearly see the you know the ancient spider webs. And then uh, Ken goes, "Yeah." I hate when that happens. I reach into something I'm fixing and I find spider webs. It's a you know, gross feeling. And I, I stopped a moment and I said, uh, really? You're still running into spider webs there? And I, I, I tell you, I was about off the, floor, off the bed and onto the floor when he responded. He goes, yeah, of course we do. Where the fuck do you think all those spiders you assholes kill are going to? <laughs> he has a point. The spiders got to go somewhere too. So everything goes back home, including the spiders. Ugh. You know, spiders you can't kill. But apparently it's um, a, non, a non-starter of an issue anyway, but it's still the thought of it. So if I didn't make your skin crawl, uh, happy to do so. Anyway, so on to the meat of the topic. And I'm going to run this down and uh, give you some background. Is that for... 18-ish years, I, I lived in a three-flat here in the city with an elderly landlady and a, a single older woman on the second floor and myself and, at the time, my ex, when we moved in, on the third floor. So there wasn't a whole lot of us in this building to begin with. And the landlady was in her, was like about 81 when we moved in. Well, you're moving in with an 81-year-old landlady, you're not expecting her to stick around for a long time. Holy shit, was I wrong. So, um, the downstairs neighbor had already been there, I think, at least a decade, if not longer, since when we moved in. And the landlady had been in the building since the 60s. So, the second floor neighbor had health issues. We knew that. Um, but it never really knew what kind of health issues, much less cared, because apparently it didn't prevent her from functioning and doing day-to-day life for a long time. Turns out she was diabetic, and she didn't really ever take care of it. So through the years, her health deteriorated, as it does when you have diabetes and you don't take care of yourself to, and, and take you know do what you're supposed to. So 
over time, she got progressively worse. She got more aggravating to live with. Uh, any slight noise would have her, you know, all pissed off. I could hear her yelling at the cat all the time through the floor. And she had a cat, the, um, the solo, only one cat. And um, he, she, I, I learned why later that her yelling at him was because he had um, had eating issues. Um, but I will get there. So I'm going to go back to about August 2016. And I'm still in the, my mentor, Linda, is uh, still by and large doing most of the relaying of the more complex things between Ken and I, because I can't hear complex stuff from him with reliability. It's just how it was, brain protecting itself from getting hurt and, you know, just adapting to the whole thing and getting past this. So we're just casually talking one day and he goes through Linda and he goes, oh, downstairs is going to die soon. Three weeks, probably. I'm like, what? The fuck? Three weeks? Die? What? Are you kidding me? How sick is this woman? Yeah, so obviously all these questions get, you know, go through my head. And it also, I do the math on the timing. And I'm like, no, oh God, no. Because he died, Ken died a few days before my birthday. Um, I had in, 90, in 2014 lost my beloved grandmother. And in 2015, um, two weeks after Ken died, I lost my other grandmother. And um, I had had enough. And now my, my, my loved grandmother, she did not, she passed away be long, a couple months before my birthday. So that was manageable. But everybody else dying, this is too much. And I'm like, especially around my birthday, I wanted some peace. So, and I knew it wasn't good. You know, I know three weeks was not written in stone. It was, it's an estimate. But I was figuring, you know, if she dies, if she does all of a sudden kick it around this time, well, crap. You know, great. I have another shitty memory for my birthday. I don't need these things. I'm tired. I'm done with it. But what can I do, right? All right. It turns out I didn't have to do anything. But um, I will walk through the the order of events because it doesn't make sense without it. So in uh, around the time she was supposed to pass, she didn't. And about a week after, so like four weeks after, she um, called... Uh, called the landlady called her friend and was freaking out about uh people trying to get into her apartment or that somebody was coming to get her or something like that uh some some you know premonition stuff that you know later in hindsight made sense but at the time it didn't now when you're diabetic and you don't treat it your blood turns into a mild acid the way i understand it and it does you know it does chip away at your brain and your cognition that's one of the things that happens I could be wrong, but that's what I have read, so uh, it makes sense considering what I saw go down. So she was basically hallucinating something and freaking out, and her friend came, came up um, to check in on her <clears throat> and make the call if she should go into the hospital or not. And so her friend comes up, checks on her, uh, calls the hospital, call, or calls the hospital, calls 911, excuse me, and they, they transport her. But um, the downstairs neighbor, Tony was her name, was a frequent flyer. So she always was going to the hospital. And once she was stabilized, she would check herself out AMA against medical orders. So she would be home within a few days of her going. And once again, this is what happened. Uh, she, she had enough strength 
to get a taxi, call it, get herself out AMA, call a taxi, and get herself up a flight and a half of stairs. It was rough, but I mean, I saw I saw the end of it when I was uh, coming home one day, and thinking she's okay, I wasn't going to approach her for any kind of to offer any kind of help anyway because she would not take it and she's just nasty. Anyhow, um, so that was the end of that, and I'm like, oh, thank God, she's still alive, and I don't have to deal with this garbo. Uh, yes, right. So we fast forward to about another month later. And now my landlady at the time was 96. Yeah, 96. And she um, was, for some reason, um, put on the emergency contact for a life alert for Tony. Yeah. Turns out Tony had a life alert. We didn't know about it. Um, <laughs> we were cracking up about this, but turns out that Tony had fallen and couldn't get up. And she, for what, in her whatever whatever reason, thought that the landlady could be of assistance. It's like, how does this 96-year-old woman pick up somebody from the floor when she's barely got enough strength to get around her own herself? So, the uh, you know landlady said, um, well, I can't do anything. You're going to have to call 911. So, the ambulance, the ambulance came, and uh, they were there for a while. So were the police. And... Since I'm on the third floor, I have to go past Tony's door to find to, to get down to the first floor. And I was going downstairs to talk to the landlady and tell her, you know, what I could tell, what was going on. So Tony refused transport, but I could hear her talking to somebody saying that they wanted her to go into hospice and she wouldn't go. And they were very kind and they were trying to tell her that she really should take it seriously and get in and get help. But she refused. And... I didn't, I'm like, hospice? That's kind of weird. But not knowing her condition, her state, I thought nothing of it. I really didn't get want to get involved. I, so I sent, went downstairs. I told the landlady what was going on. And she had about the same reaction as I did because Tony's always exaggerating things, right? All right. So um, all was quiet until I'd say about two and a half weeks later. So we're getting into mid-November. And I come home one day. Um, and it's like ran into the landlady cause she had just, uh, she hadn't been home herself, long herself. And she just wanted to let me know that Tony's caregiver said, um, they, they or rather her and her brother came back from a doctor's appointment. She has a much younger brother who was driving her around for reference. Um, had a doctor's appointment, drove her, he brought her back and they were, they got back in time to see an ambulance leaving and Tony's caregiver out in the street and sidewalk watching it go. And Mrs. D said, uh, caregiver, caregiver said, Miss D being my landlady, um, said that um, she ain't coming back. So, yeah, and she's like, there's just no way she could come back. And we're just like, what? She always goes to the hospital and comes back. You know? What the hell? What are you talking about? So we just kind of figured, well, she doesn't know Tony that well. She doesn't know how Tony does her, th you know, does this stuff. And she'll be back. Uh, well, yeah. About, I don't know, a week later, I'm going upstairs past the door of, about a week later was at post-Thanksgiving, uh, so maybe a little longer than that, but not by, not by much. So this is a Saturday, and I'm going past the door, and the cat is yelling at me to come, you know, come in and feed him or whatever as I go past, and I'm like, I can't do anything, I don't have access to the apartment. So I went and uh, 
saw the landlady and I said, hey, Mrs. D, we got to, could you find out where Tony is? She's not been home. The cat's calling, is yelling at the door for somebody to come, come in. And that's very unusual. He only does that when she's been gone for too long um, because she would, you know, have her friend come along and feed the cat while she was in the hospital. So, okay, well, Mrs. D put it off. And um, that was, uh, and call, finally decided the next day to call up the friend that she had the contact information for and asks her, the friend, so what's going on with Tony? Where is she? And the friend goes, oh, didn't you know she died? Just like that. Just, she died before Thanksgiving. Uh, what? Are you kidding me? Now, I'm at the gym, and I had just uh, had just uh, gotten there to do my routine when I got called. So, I, and I was, I'm like, wasn't even, I don't even, 10 minutes away from the, the building, so I was able to go back home quickly. But, you know, getting knocked something off. Um, so, I'm like, what the hell? Okay, so who's been feeding the cat? There's been nobody coming through that we know of. And why did they not, why did none of her friends tell you that she's dead, for Christ's sakes? Now I'm going to give you a little backstory. A little, so, um, this is the, one of the weirder story, parts of the story. At some point, um, now we knew, obviously we knew she was in the hospital. And I'm talking about Linda and I, you know, my the mentor. My mentor and I, you know, we, we occasionally meant bring it up. And then one day she says like, oh, hey, wait, Ken's checking in on her and she's picking up the visual. And he complained about it because he didn't want me getting stressed out about what was going on and with, with, the, uh, with Tony. And I'm just like, well, I don't care. I just, if she's still in hospital, that's fine. And, you know, but um, Ken, it's, it's just the way these things work. Uh, so she, Ken, what Ken was doing was feeding like a direct pipeline to Linda and she was relaying what was going through. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. But whatever was, oh wait, I knew then that she had a kidney removed and she had a lower, uh, a lower leg removed as an emergency procedure to try to save her life. Even though it was futile, she had no do not resuscitate paperwork. So folks, if you don't want to live like this after, you know, in, in these situations, get, get a DNR. Just do it. I don't care how young you are. Get it. Um, seriously, there's good reason. For, there's good reasons for it. It will. If you, if you wind up in a vegetated state, you do not want to be alive on life support like Tony was. So again, hospital. Okay, so she's still there. Big deal. A couple days later, once again, um, the same thing happens. Only the room has changed. Linda's saying she's saying that it's not the same place. It looks different, and I'm like. So she must have gone into some long-term care because they only are only going to keep somebody in the hospital for so long. And as, and as indigent as she was, she was going to be on state aid anyway. So again, I'm not really thinking much of it. So, you know, we, so we go fast forward to the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which is the night I'm recording this and finding all of this stuff out. Well, so I get home and I help landlady up the stairs and who she herself had congestive heart failure and with all that brings with it, the problems that comes with congestive heart failure. So I had to help her up the stairs and you know, she was adrenalized uh, when she did get up the stairs, but one and a half flights. We look around, the cat is okay. He's not uh, starved, but he is pretty lonely. 
So I stick around for a little bit and oh great, she's got bed bugs in here because she brought them back home from the hospital at some point. Yay, crap, now we got this to deal with. And um, oh well, okay. So when we went back over, I, so I, I get upstairs, finally settle, and I tell Linda what's happening, and we go back over what had happened last, the week prior. So on Tuesday morning, our Tuesday morning, she's in Australia, so it was her Wednesday. Um, so actually, it was Tuesday afternoon for me, time difference. Anyway, so she, she woke up and she says, my God, I've got this overwhelming sorrow with me. It's like somebody's dead, and I don't know who. Uh, she couldn't figure out who she couldn't pick it off no one there was no um no clue as to who it was it, they were just they were hiding themselves but somehow they managed to link in to her and and mess up her emotional state so she uh she like checked with uh family members because she has a family member who's not doing well well they're still alive then and they're still alive three years later so it wasn't them and um, we just wrote it off as something strange. Now, that Tuesday afternoon was when she died. That's when uh, the plug, little plug literally was pulled on her. See, Tony had no family. She did not want anything to do with her family. She had closed herself off to them. She had no interest to connect with them for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, and she had only friends and her friends were only tolerating her at that point because she had just gotten so nutty and crazier and crazier over the years. So, you know, and for whatever reason, like I said, her friends had no interest in telling the landlady, oh, hey, your tenant's dead and there's a cat in there because somebody was intending on taking the cat, but they couldn't because of Thanksgiving and they had stopped coming over Thanksgiving. I had to piece all that together, by the way. I wasn't told that anything, told that directly. I had to piece it together. So um, that Sunday night, um, you know, we locked the door because, you know, she's dead and people don't need to be going in and out without us knowing about it. We didn't know until that night that the door had been open the entire time because she didn't want to give out keys to the apartment. So she just left it wide open. Our, our, security, our security door was broken as well. So it's just like, yeah, great, thanks. Um, you know, because she wouldn't let the landlady fix it because she needed people to get in and out. So my locking the door is what got me the cat because her friends were planning to return that Monday to get him and take him home. And um, my locking the door meant that they couldn't get in to take him and they, didn't, they still did not stop at the landlady's door to let her know what was going on. I just never understood this. And... So what wound up happening is that um, that night we were in the apartment. I called the caregiver because her phone number was still there. She tells me that she had come home. She came in that day that um, it was like a Thursday or a Wednesday that, um, hey, and she, she comes in and she sees Tony in a physical state, uh, non-responsive, um, you know, and... I'll spare you the details, but basically there was no denying that she was in dire trouble and possibly close to death. And, uh, which explains as well, and I'm going to sidetrack, uh, why I came home one night, turned on my light, my overhead light in the room, and a shadow took its time disappearing, and why Ken would not tell me what it was. I later found out that death was waiting for her, was tired of 
her ranting and raving and rumbling and mumbling and decided to take a break in a, in a, a seemingly empty apartment and for and zoned out i kid you not death zoned out in my apartment Ugh, what the hell and uh, forgot that maybe somebody might be walking in the door so i literally heard oops you know so oops caught as the shadow disappeared so chances are whoever tony hallucinated coming for her was death and um yeah good stuff so back to the caregiver the caregiver tells me what had happened and I'm like, oh my God. And then it turns out, see, because Tony had no family, she had no legal, uh, nobody had power of attorney. And she had been put on hospice on life support, but she was never going to come home. She was never going to survive um, what had happened to her because she was just too far gone physically. The diabetes had ravaged her body and it destroyed her so uh, she basically went completely uh toxic her body just turned into a toxic wasteland because you know the kidney failure and all that stuff means you can't eliminate waste and etc etc i'm trying not to be too depressing and gross but she she put herself on a path towards self-destruction and when the death came it was not pretty and she didn't, uh, she, it didn't happen the way I think her, her passing didn't happen the way she expected it to, but because she took these actions and decisions, that's what happened. She also wasn't happy that I got her cat either, but that's another story. So, um, she, uh, so her friend that was taking care of the cat was coming into the city to check on her and coming from the suburbs and most likely around Thanksgiving didn't have the time to come into the city and wanted a little break after all that stuff she pulled the plug she was asked by the hospice to pull the plug on Tony and she did and Tony passed and that moment she passed or, or it's around the time when Linda woke up and you know got the that overwhelming feeling of sorrow and sadness and death so empathy you'll um bit Excuse me, that's part of being an empathet, em, part of em, bleh. empathics pick up emotions like that. And of course, my acid reflux now kicks in as I am trying to um, correct myself. Pardon me. So we have this whole situation um, that happens. And Ken didn't come around a whole lot. He kept himself pretty distant. And... Um, this is a side story as well, by the way. So I, I didn't get it into the original narrative because it was um, a little bit of a sidetrack. But I wanted to get to it because this is also a diff This is also another, inf I guess, inform informative thing or um, interesting that how when messages are meant to be delivered, they get delivered regardless of the source. So Ken had backed off really hard and really wouldn't um, come through much to Linda to talk. Because uh, we used to have, you know, have a chats all the time. It was pretty, actually pretty fun when all three of us would sit and shoot the shit together. Um, and uh, she, so, you know, he'd, he'd stop through now and again. And re, but he relied mainly on the fact that I was unable to get the information I could get because still early reopening. And that he stayed away from her because she's so wide open. She can pick up every little last thought in his head memories, current thoughts, you know, everything. Yeah. 
And um, so he had, he was told to pass the message along, or he had, he not, he was asked rather, because you don't have to do these things, but he didn't want to do it. So somebody else did. We still do not know who this, to the day, to this day, who this is, because the story still has got some more legs to it, yo. So I'm, uh, I go to a store and um, I was messaging with Linda because we do that on Hangouts, you know. And she tells me that somebody just came to her and with some really strange voice, somebody she didn't know, had no clue who it was, and told her Michelle's neighbors are going to be gone soon. And I'm like, the fuck? This is before Tony died. This is before her final trip to the um, to the emergency room. Not shortly before, but, you know, um, around that time. So I'm like, neighbors? Plural? What? Huh? So, you know, I didn't really take it too seriously because um, nothing had really happened. And I'm still early on into this stuff. And I'm still not committed to a lot of these things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. And as you know, it goes to show you that when you really open up and you experience these things, how you realize, no, this really, this shit's really, you can't ignore it. it, it it's gonna, it's happening whether you like it or not. So after that, I'm reading that and all of a sudden, whoever delivered the message to her comes to me and says, and, and says something similar, says something like, you know, it's like, nope, you won't have to worry about your about them for much longer or something like that. It's, and, and, I mean, I can't exactly remember, which is surprising considering I'm pulling this off from memory, but maybe I just don't want to. Um, and it was accompanied with a laugh, which makes it sound very sinister, but the laugh was like, you have no idea how, this, how awesome this is going to be for you, really. And it's like, are you kidding me? I'm going to lose a place I've lived in for almost 18 years? You know, but so I'm like, what? Okay, this is just really creepy, folks, and I don't like it. But hey, um, you know, I'm just kind of rolling with it, and yeah. So here's the best part about it, freaking Ken. Um, Tony dies. We find this all out. I tell Linda about it, and she goes, "His comment was three weeks, three months." not like I have a calendar on my wall and I'm just sitting there staring at the at the comment going like are you fucking kidding me all of this and that's all you got <laughs> Jesus Christ so the message you know that he was supposed to deliver but a little more tactfully was that my life was going to be starting to change in the near future and it was going not to be pretty because it was going to involve the passing of two people but it was going to change and things would be better. Yeah, but you can't always, if you had told me that then, I would have said, yeah, right, you're full of shit because I didn't think anything was wrong with my life. And there was a whole lot of stuff wrong with my life, but that's another story for another time. And it's really more mundane than anything else. But um, yeah, so he's supposed to deliver this message, never did, so somebody else, who's a much bigger hoo-ha in the universe said, all right, fine, dude, you're not going to do it. I guess I got to do it. So it got delivered and um, yeah, freaky as, right? And uh, so at the time, as I mentioned, my landlady was 96 and she had uh, congestive heart failure and they had taken her off a bunch of her meds because her blood pressure was getting too low and they wanted it to go up. 
Well, the stress of losing Tony after living with her for over 20 years at that point caused her heart, her, caused stress, uh, caused her, what was it? Caused her blood pressure to spike and she threw a stroke because she went in, into an a AFib, into an atrial fibrillation uh, state. And uh, she, threw, she threw a blood clot. Now I've been suspecting she had been microstroking for a while but that was the first one she had, and she uh, that was really had an obvious uh, result. And that she calls me and asks me who's singing Hungarian Christmas carols because she was from uh, hung, hung, uh, she was Hungarian before and immigrated in 1921 with her family, so she was still you know Hungarian Romanian citizen, and um, her family would sing these Christmas carols when she was a child. So I'm like, oh. God, please, I hope it's just a lack of sleep causing you to hallucinate because her sleep cycles were messed up too. You know, and at the time I'm like, why should, you know, her sleep cycles are messed up, but you know, you just lost somebody who you'd lived with for a long time and that's still gonna, that's still gonna hurt even though you didn't really see eye to eye, get along with them or have a, you know, you know, didn't like them personally. You still get a little bit of an affection for somebody like that. So I figured, well, let's write it off to that. No, she had a stroke, she threw a clot, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And on her birthday in January, I took her to hospital and that was the beginning of the next four months of a, of a very mm, hell for me, hell for her. Um, but um, hell for her because she had to give up her power of health attorney to her brother who had no, who just wanted her um, money and anything he could get from her because he was just that kind of a piece of shit. And uh, didn't like the fact that the money he felt was, should come to him was being spent on caregivers or 24-7 caregivers. And the lawyer, who is actually not a good man in this story, but he felt that it was easier to have her at home and spending caregivers as opposed to getting her tested for dementia and having her put in a home. So she was in hospice at home. And she was gone towards the middle of May. Maybe a little later, but who cares? Who's counting? So within six months, I lost two people I lived with, and that was in May 2017, and I left there in January 2018. I had to sue the, sue the estate to get out because of the bullshit that was going on. And again, that's just, it's a story that's more personal interest than anything else, and kind of out of the scope of what I've been talking about. However... What happened in those following months, I felt like a weight was lifted from me. I don't miss the space. The building I had a toxicity to it in both actual mold in the walls from truck pointing that um, she, she took forever to repair. Uh, and just the overall energy of the building was toxic. And when I left there for the last time, I felt so good. I moved into an apartment that, while it's not perfect, has light everywhere. It's not in shadow all the time. And it's just uh, worked out a lot better. So I have stepped up, so to speak, from where I was at. But they were right. The, the, you know, the, the people on the other side with a vested interest in, in getting me to reopen and to live a better life, they were right. The, the even though at the time I was still very much invested in the fact that it's very it, it's sad to lose somebody physically it's different when you're a medium 
and you know the truth of these things you do hurt it does suck but it doesn't has a different uh, flavor to it than when you're not open so I'm not trying to minimize loss on anybody's part you should feel the grief and feel it like I've said but for me personally I don't feel it the same way but at the time I thought it was the most awful thing in the world and with their passing it cut me loose from about 18 I was live, I was in my 18th year of living there um, of pure hell and misery and bullshit that I had to deal with uh, for a long time I my marriage fell apart I had uh, other things go to go fall apart on me that were in a major way I did a, a lot of just negative things in my life happened in that apartment and since I've been gone it's never been at bad, as bad as it ever was so on that note this all happened it's all true I can tell you I can you know there's people that watched it and witnessed it happen and it's nuts it just goes to show you that when things are supposed to happen a certain way they don't always but they do happen at some point and the end result is the same so I'm gonna wind this up by saying I hope you enjoyed this one because it's still a little crazy to me even though it's 30 years 33 years later I'm looking at the date uh, three years later on of the because um, I'm recording this on 1130 um, and it's just I still can't believe sometimes that, that is, this has all happened. Uh, but from a, how do I put it, um, practical point of view, for the living, get your DNRs in order at some point in your life. Get your power of attorney sorted out so you don't have somebody taking care of your health that you don't want taking care of your health. It's not morbid, it's practical. And you avoid situations like the, what I saw happen with, with Tony. So on that note, I'm going to wrap it up, close it out, and hope that you've enjoyed this little journey of mine. And uh, on the next podcast, I'm going to be talking about the life contract. Or that, excuse me, I screwed that up. The, the life review as it relates to our life contracts. They're going, life contracts has to, be, has to be its own separate uh, podcast because there's so much material there. But the life review, somebody asked me about it and I said, sure, I would dig it into it, into a podcast. But because I had relayed this story to somebody recently, I'm like, you know what, let's get it out. Let's get it out into the, into the, uh, the ether as it are, as it were, and, uh, share it with people instead of keeping it bottled it up. Alrighty. On that note, before I trip on my tongue again, or the furnace kicks in and makes a lot of noise, I'm going to sign off. And until next time, stay safe, everybody, and be well.